All right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, I had notes too. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, uh. Wait, I have notes too. Okay. I have a couple of things, but hold on. Let's tell everybody who we are. Um, I, I'm Yvette. I'm Mama. And this is Tipsy Tales. Tipsy Tuesday. Woo-woo. Okay, so anybody following our IG um, feed will notice that I put a Raggedy Ann doll I saw at a secondhand store, and I tagged Alma on it, saying that the little doll was telling me that she wanted to go to Alma's house. Yeah, thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Died laughing. I was like, I'm going to buy this doll, and I'm going to put it on Alma's front door. But I'm going to tell you what stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it home in your car? <laughs> That too. After our story, it was gonna about be at the Annabelle. trunk, <laughs> but I was like, "See, what's gonna happen is that Albert's gonna feel like this is a challenge, and I will hate his payback more than anything else." So I'm like, "I'm sorry, Raggedy Ann, but you're staying there." <laughs> you might hate my payback. <laughs> Yes, yours too, but Albert would be too enthusiastic. He, I could just see him like, because you know boys. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, ooh. He's beat. Oh, no. My mom was actually, we were discussing that. We went to go visit my mom and my sister last night okay. and had dinner over there and had the first pozole of the season. Ooh, yum. Your mom um, makes killer yeah, pozole. It was good. It was good. But, um,. So we sat there and we're like kind of enjoying the nice evening because it rained yesterday and the temperatures like I don't know what it was yesterday it was like maybe about sixty something. Yeah, it dropped significantly. Yeah. So and that's pretty significant for us here in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. We so we sat out and enjoyed her patio, and we started talking about you know some of the stuff we used to do. <laughs> My mom brings up the fact oh because we started talking about the podcast actually. Okay. Oh no, with your mom. Yeah. Um, How'd and that go? It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to really? be. Really? Yeah. And so um, she's, oh, yeah, because I started telling her that I told the story about my dad. Oh. And how her and my dad met. And then I played that little snippet for them. And she was laughing. <laughs> she got a big <laughs> kick out of that. Um, so anyway, she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, you've always been into the scary stuff. She's like, you used to like to put your hand over the side of your bed on the bunk bed and scare your sister. <laughs> You're like, I think that's just sisterly love. I did do that. <laughs> I did some pretty mean, scary things to my sister, but I was the oldest and you know, I that's think what that's the your oldest job. kid did. That's yeah. totally your job. So I forgot why I even brought that up. <laughs> this weekend, hanging out with your mom. I was going somewhere with it and I don't even know where I was going. I had just finished saying um, I was going to bring Raggedy Ann to your house. Oh, yeah. Although, oh. on the flip side, Sergio seriously started to send me just random doll pics that he sees at, like, the secondhand Aww. stores that I drag him to. And I'm like, no, because he's scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, whose side, are, whose side are you on? Pick a side. Pick a side. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the guys would get a bigger kick out of that than we would. Oh, God, are you kidding me? They sure as hell would. That's hilarious. So, anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you just look like you had... Oh, no. I don't know where I was going with this. Just that thought just went. <laughs> um, talking about being competitive and scary. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was talking about. Because I remember one time I got a, it wasn't a Cabbage Patch doll. I forgot what kind of doll it was, but the, the head popped off. No. <laughs> but my, and it was my sister's doll and she didn't know. And I handed it to her in the dark and oh I said, God. hold on to the doll. And she grabs the doll and <laughs> the doll's head like pops off and she screams she's like mama 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 
<laughs> as you sitting there all, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. yeah, we were talking about that last night. That's so. funny. Um, I actually am the oldest, but my brother and sister are super young, so there was no scaring. You didn't have that camaraderie? No, I really didn't, although I love the shit out of my sister and my brother, but yeah, I don't have that sort of camaraderie. I do with my kids, though. I'm kind of, I was kind of mean to them when they were younger. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I think I said this before in a previous podcast, but I, um, they used to love being like behind corners and so when I'd pass by they'd be like raw and they'd scare me and I'd jump and scream or whatever so I was like stop it it's not funny and they thought it was hysterical kept on doing it so I'm like all right all right go okay we're gonna do this so I waited for them to go to sleep and um snuck into their room when they were about uh, about an hour or two hours into sleep (laughs) and then I started screaming and scaring them they were so mad they were crying I felt kind of bad afterwards but they didn't scare me like that no more (laughs) (laughs) I know horrible mom whatever I was young too young to have kids oh well oh well we all do stuff to our struggles so I just wanted to bring up a couple of things before we get started um I've been looking for another podcast to listen to because I I go through my podcast pretty quick and sometimes I get bored with the ones that I'm listening to and um I figured Hey, we're doing some stories like that are outside of the U.S. And maybe I should listen to some of the podcasts that are outside of the U.S. And um, I noticed like on some of the likes, because, you know, on our IG, we get a lot of podcasts that like our page. And I noticed seeing read the podcast. Okay. Um, so I was like, OK, I'm going to try them out. Noticed they're a U.K. Uh, podcast. So started listening to them. They're on episode 10 like we were last week. So they're probably doing their episode 11. Okay. So we're kind of on the same timeline. Yeah. But they only do true crime and they only stick um, with UK. Okay. So they each take turns each week. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And they're real cute. Mark and Beth Ann. Ooh. So if you want to give them a listen. Shout out. And also I wanted to mention um, another podcast reached out to us. Um, They have a similar name as ours but they're called tipsy stories podcast and they were really cute they i think they're a lot younger than us definitely (laughs) and they wanted to let us know that you know they weren't copying our name or whatever and and vice versa in all honesty um when we came up with our name believe me we actually had five or ten um took a, a a brief uh we asked our family pretty much which one they liked the most yeah. and they picked it and, and that's, that's where we ended, we ended up, up being where we ended up being. So, yeah. so um, but I thought that was nice of them. Yeah. To reach out. And again, the podcast universe is so great, big that there's definitely room for both of us. Yeah. So I just wanted to give a, mention, a shout out, a shout out for them. And if anybody wants to listen to them, I know we had a couple of people ask us, Hey, did you start a new page? Did yeah. you start a new page? And we were like, no, what are you talking about? And, <laughs> and then they sent us that. So I thought that was, that was nice of them. Definitely. So that was that. Okay. Do you, Do you like have news anything else? Time. Um, I don't think I have anything else to be honest with you. Um, no, I think that's it. <laughs> Are you sure you went hiking this morning? You took I the first hike. I did go hiking this morning. Oh my God, up to you. Okay. So yes. Okay. So um, a couple years ago, I lost a shit ton of weight and then I gained it all back because I was being a lazy ass. So um, starting this morning, I started hiking because it is hiking season here in Arizona. The temperatures dropped as Alma had mentioned before. And so I'm super excited because I love to go hiking. 
Although I should have went straight home because I also love to go thrift store shopping. And so that was never any good. <laughs> so rather than coming straight home, cleaning my house and and being focused on my story, because I didn't even have an idea till this late this afternoon. Um, I was like, thanks. It's great. <laughs> Just kidding. I, it's all right. I was working on this all day. So, um, yeah, I, I totally wasted a bunch of time, but it's fine. It's fine, fine, fine. I have to compliment your shirt. Yvette always oh. wears the best shirts, and they always say something on them, but this one's the Mighty Vader Star Wars. Yeah, man. Last shirt I had, what was it called? Fuck, I'm lost. And it was a cigar. <laughs> it was a cigar event that I had, we had actually gone to, so woo-woo, cigars. So um, we are drinking some wine today in case we, because uh, I know we just blew right past that. <laughs> yeah, we kind of did. And Yvette brought, like... Cause she knows I love The Walking Dead. Yes, I was. Well, I was sitting there wandering around, total wine, and I thought of Alma, and so I kept it quiet till I got here, and I was like, "You gotta check out this wine," and it was like a present for her. It was because I, I squealed a little. <laughs> I was like, "Pow!" She's just like, "Oh!" And it doesn't taste too bad either. It's no, it good. doesn't taste bad at all. I know that almost like. I say that every time. I'm like, well, it's because it's it's not bad. It's a good wine. <laughs> it's fine, fine, fine. And it's red. It's not super sweet. It's alcohol. Is it it's, magic? It's always magic. Bye, bye. <laughs> okay, so last week we talked about that we were going to do opposite day today. Opposite day! <laughs> and I'm doing a true crime story. Yeah. And Yvette will be taking on the scary... Yeah, I had a really hard time researching this. Honestly, I started, got scared, walked out my room. Came back, started a different search, got scared, walked out of my room. I was trying to imagine you, like, preparing for this story. Girl, this was, like, excruciating because I kept getting scared. And then I know I have to, like, research it a little bit. Did you do it during the day in broad daylight with the curtains open and all the lights on? Yeah, it was, like I said, it wasn't, I dreaded doing it up until the very last minute. <laughs> Freaked me out every time. So um, I did it and then I had to, I wanted to read it out loud because I know sometimes I can get a little bit slurry with my words and I couldn't do it. Our wine <laughs> so... interpretations. It's not slurry. Yes. It's it's a wine interpretations. <laughs> interpretations, interpretations. Never mind, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so without further ado, I will. What's your story? I'm not going to tell you the name. I'm going to let you. Li- I'm going to give you a few seconds la, to guess la. it. Okay. As I read. Okay, so it's a cold November morning in Plainfield, Wisconsin. Do you have any ideas? I want to say I do, but I want to make sure. Okay, it's November 16th, 1957, to be exact. Um, it's like a game show. <laughs> I want to start screaming everything, but yeah. All right. So it's the opening day of hunting season for this small town. Okay. And the streets are mostly deserted. Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden arrives at his mother's hardware store at about 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and blood stains on the floor. And his mother, Bernice Warden, it was no is nowhere to be found. The store was reported to have been closed all day, which some attributed to the deer hunting season. Frank recalled that Ed Gein had been to the store the oh, evening no. before. I do know some like, I'm going to write it on here and I'm going to flash it up to her and see what she says. Is that the one you were thinking it was? No. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Ed Gein, so. Okay. So 
so he had been at the store the evening before his mother's disappearance and told them that he would return the next day for a gallon of antifreeze. Sure enough, a sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Bernice. A resident would also report seeing the hardware store's truck being driven out from the rear of the building around 9.30 a.m. The police rushed to the Gein farmhouse but found it deserted as Gein was having a supper with some neighbors. Okay. Uh, which is odd given the circumstances, but, you know, to each that's his what own. a true psychopath is. I mean, they have no empathy whatsoever. Right. Yeah. And while a couple of cops went to look for Gein for questioning and ended up arresting him, others began to poke around his property looking for anything suspicious. Oh, no. Some of the officers searched the shed, and while in there, a Washara County Sheriff's deputy brushes up against something in the dark. Oh, no. It is Warden's decapitated body. Holy shit. Can you imagine coming up upon that crime scene? Oh. No. <laughs> You're like, no thanks, I'm good. Yeah. And, and being cold and just like the winds howling outside. and uh, no. Being Wisconsin. Being Wisconsin. Which we've never been. But. <laughs> no, but I heard it's but cold I'll, as hell. I've seen there. it in movies. <laughs> so I can imagine. Well, you know what? But it's like people talking about Arizona. They're like, I heard it's hot as hell's up in there. And yeah, it, it, it can be. So Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Cold as hell. Hung upside down by her oh. legs with a crossbar at her ankles <gasps> and ropes at her wrists. Her torso was gutted and dressed out like a deer. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and her mutilated mutilations were made after her death her head had been hung in a burlap sack and her heart was hanging in a plastic bag near the stove oh my my gosh so they were fully prepared to find bernice's body at the farmhouse but nothing could prepare them for what they would find while searching the house i know (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anybody would ever be prepared for that oh god no Okay, so while searching the house, the authorities found what would later inspire horror movies such as The Silence of the Lambs, Psycho, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a few others. Um, Ed Guyon's home was filled with human body parts, and the scene could only be described as ghoulish and unforgettable. I can't even imagine. Among the other grisly artifacts that were displayed around the house, one of the officers picked up a paper bag and it looked like there was hair inside the bag. And so he instinctively reached his hand inside the bag. Why? Why? Did he have a glove? <laughs> I don't know. It was the 1950s. So so yeah. no. <laughs> no, the forensic thing wasn't really a big thing then. Ugh. When he reached in and pulled it out, it was the face of a 50-year-old tavern owner Mary Hogan, who had disappeared on December 8th of 1954. No matter how many times I hear that, still fucking just chills down my spine. Oh, Yeah, so in searching the house, they found way more than that. So I'll, I'll just go down the list here. Whole human bones and fragments. A waste basket made of human skin. Human skin covering several chair seats. And I saw pictures and it just looked like leather, leather seats. Um, skulls on his bedposts, they were pretty much like the skulls were impaled on his bedposts. Female skulls, some with the top sawn off. Bowls made from human skulls. Can you imagine the kind of depravity it took to like make somebody's actual skull into a bowl? Not only that, but can you imagine the police that are walking into this horror, um, 
can you imagine what they're thinking? I mean, every it's like it's literally like walking into a scary house, a haunted house, a not even haunted, but you know what I mean? It's it's little to just a fucking freak show of a house because every time you turn around, there's some sort of fucked upness that that's a lot for around somebody every to handle. corner. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, a corset made from a female torso, skin from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag, which I told you earlier. What is wrong? Oh my God, what is wrong with some people? And also her skull in a box. Mary Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag. Nine vulvae in a shoebox. That's no good. That's awful. What's I wonder what the significance of having them in a shoebox, like, why, why, was it like just a another collection way to, of female genitalia? I mean, was it just another way to categorize? That's just, but you know what? He's, but it's the first, crazy, so we're trying to, feed, yeah. we're trying to, like, rationalize crazy, crazy. and there's no rationalization. Exactly. Rationalization for it. This one, a young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old. Oh, no. A belt made from human nipples. That's the one that freaks. I mean, it doesn't. This is not the one that freaks me out the most, but that freaks me out. I, I, I just don't understand. Yeah, it just, that's just horror. That's just like you know how they say that truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, and this and, this is one of those cases where truth is truly stranger than fiction. Definitely. And of course, like all these fictional stories, kind of like breed in some sort of truth in some form. Came way. out of it, yeah. Um, a belt made from, okay, I read that already. I don't have to read it again. <laughs> You're like, no thanks. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. Um, four noses. God. Again, oh. I ask why. Why the fuck? Because he's demented. He's fucking psychotic, psychopathic, psychopathic. Psych- he's just a psycho. I mean, it almost seems like he's, like it's a. Deranged. He's deranged. He, there you go. Completely deranged. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. That's some fucked up shit. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. Fingernails from female fingers. I'm going to have nightmares. I'm sorry. You know what? <laughs> You're like, just wait. <laughs> um, when, okay. When questioned, Ed Gein folded immediately. He told the police that he had made at least 40 different visits to the three local graveyards to exhume bodies. He claimed that he had done so in a daze like state. So who is Ed Gein, and what made him into the monster that he became? And I, I wrote mommy issues. Oh, they, oh, they always have mommy issues in yeah. some former way. To quote Norman Bates in Psycho, a boy's best friend is his mother. No, she's really <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, this is just giving me chills reading it. Although I do try to convince my boy of that all the time, but he's like, no, mom, you're not. <laughs> Sorry to uh, break your bubble. Burst your Burst bubble. Your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it breaks my heart. <laughs> um, Ed Gein was born in La Crosse County, Wisconsin on August 27, 1906. The second of two boys of George and Philip Gein. George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmine Gein. And he had an older brother named Henry George Gein. Or Gein. I keep saying it wrong. Um, Augusta despised her husband who was an alcoholic and he was unable to keep 
a job. He worked at various times as a carpenter, tanner, and insurance salesman. George owned a local grocery store shop for a few years, but sold the business, and the family left the city to live in isolation on a 155-acre farm in the town of Plainfield in Washera County, Wisconsin. Holy which, shit. Which became the Gein family's permanent residence. <laughs> <laughs> that again. <laughs> which became uh, the Gein family permanent residence. Augusta took, and it's a pretty... It, I saw pictures of it, and it it just looks it it looks like a scary farmhouse, I like mean, out in the it middle. It literally of gave him a playground to do yeah. all this fucked upness. Yeah, he had 155 acres between him and the next person. Um, Augusta took advantage of the farm's isolation by turning away outsiders who could have influenced her sons. Edward left the farm only to attend school. Outside of school, he spent most of his time doing chores on the farm. Augusta was fervently religious and nominally Lutheran. She preached to her boys about the innate immorality of the world, the evil of drinking, and her belief that all women, except herself, were naturally prostitutes and instruments of the devil. I just thought of Waterboy. The devil! (laughs) Women are the devil! The devil! She reserved time every afternoon to read to them from the Bible, usually selecting a graphic for... Graphic verses from the Old Testament concerning death, murder, and divine retribution. Okay, what did she expect, really? That reminds me of, like, some of these old, like, scary, creepy movies when they're like, open up your Bible, and they start talking about evil shit. Yeah, but I'm sure she's not the only mother that's ever done that. No, I'm sure she's not. There had to be, like, a turning point for him. Yeah, but still. Edward was shy, and classmates and teachers remembered him as having strange mannerisms, such as seemingly random laughter, as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. To make matters worse, his mother punished him whenever he tried to make friends. Despite his poor social development, he did fairly well in school, and particularly particularly in reading. All right. After their father died in 1940 from heart heart failure due to his alcoholism, um, Henry and Ed began doing odd jobs around town to help cover living living expenses. Um, The brothers were generally considered reliable and honest by residents of the community. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors. Oh, oh, fun. Can you imagine their their fucking face in shock being like, the hell? he, He was our babysitter. Right? He enjoyed babysitting, seeming to relate more easily to children than adults. Henry began dating a divorced single mother of two, Henry, his brother, Mm -hmm. um, and planned on moving in with her. Henry worried about his brother's attachment to their mother and often spoke ill of her around Ed, who responded with shock and hurt because he worshipped her. On May 16, 1944, Henry and Ed were burning away marsh vegetation on the property, and the fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, the fire having been extinguished and the firefighters gone, Ed reported his brother missing. With lanterns and flashlights, a search party searched for Henry, whose dead body was found lying face down. Suspiciously, Ed, who had said his brother was missing, led them directly to his body. Oh, shit. He had been dead for some time, and it appeared that his cause of death was heart failure, since he had not been burned or injured otherwise. So they were just guessing? Yeah. And like I said, it's 1950s, so the forensics weren't that great, and it's a small town. There. Yeah. 
It was later reported in Harold Schrechter's biography of Gein, uh, Deviant, that Henry had bruises on his head. The police dismissed the possibility of foul play, and the co- county coroner later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. That is crazy, isn't it? Right. You died a heart failure, but you got some fucked upness on your head, some bruises, right. maybe some cracks. But by all means, you died of suffocation. <laughs> Smoke something. Yeah. So, um, Gina and his mom were alone now. It was just the two of them. And Augusta had a, uh, a paralyzing stroke shortly after Henry's death. And Gein devoted himself to taking care of her. Sometime in 1945, Gein later recounted he and his mother visited a man named Smith who lived nearby to purchase straw. According to Gein, Augusta witnessed Smith beating his dog. A woman inside the Smith home came outside and yelled to stop, and Smith beating the dog to death. Augusta was extremely upset by this scene, but not by what you would think. What bothered her did not appear to be the brutality toward the dog, but the presence of the woman. Oh. Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith, so had no business being there. Smith's harlot is what um, Augusta angrily called her. She had a second stroke soon after, because she was obviously an angry woman. She probably gave herself a stroke. Um, And her health deteriorated rapidly. She died on December 29, 1945, at the age of 67. Ed was so devastated by her death, um... I was watching something earlier that said that he basically broke down like a child. Wow. At her funeral. That blubbering. Like, yeah, like, like just, <laughs> yeah. But probably even worse than that, like, because everybody took notes. I mean, it's your mom. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was a lot. Especially in the 19, what, 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah, when men couldn't cry then. <laughs> well, they could. They just shouldn't around other people. Well, they should, but obviously people no. took notice because yeah. they didn't. Um, and <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> we just went full circle there. <laughs> I should I'm like, sorry. wait, stop. <laughs> it's the wine. Sorry. Ed was devastated by her death. In the words of author Harold Schrechter, he had lost his only friend and one true love, which is icky. And he was absolutely alone in the world. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say true love? I said True love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's uh, not enough wine for that. <laughs> sorry. Um, well, under investigation for the murder in 1957, he was interrogated by District Attorney Arald Colleen, and Gein admitted, and this is directly quoted from him, I started to visit graveyards in the area regularly about 18 months after my mother died. Most nights I would just stand and have private conversations with my ma. Other times, I couldn't make myself go home without raising one of them up first. Maybe on about nine occasions, I took somebody or a part of somebody home with me. It was kind of an evil spirit I couldn't control. So that was a direct quote from him. Wow. Uh, Gein explained that he was able to get away with this for a period of about five years, as he always left the graves in apple pie order. That's apple his words. pie order. Yeah. When he finished was finished robbing them okay so i would assume that he'd be robbing fresh graves yeah he was if literally was he still... was literally watching the obituaries and Ugh, keeping an God, eye out so gross. and knew when they would just like got buried and he was going after them right away yeah yeah i was about to read that he went out 
He went on to state that he would watch the obituaries for when women, particularly those with a similar body type to his mother, uh, were laid to rest and visit the next night to still their corpses, as he had begun to have an uncontrollable desire to see a woman's body. Barf. Oh. Gag. All right. Some accounts claim that he did also dig up his mother's corpse and bring her home. I remember hearing that. That's very normal. I'm just like, wait a minute. I've heard this story. (laughs) I've watched this. He's sitting in the rocking chair. No, Ed. Ed. Don't you bring them women home. They're the devil. Devil. (laughs) Um. Okay. One of the grisliest artifacts found was basically a woman's suit. Um. A pair of skin leggings and a vest made from a torso, complete with breasts attached. Gein claimed that he would wear it on moonlit nights and dance around in his yard with a woman's face mask on. Oh, my God. Can you imagine coming, like, driving and seeing this fucking awful sight? I'd freak the fuck out. I mean, fucking drive, drive faster. Luckily, he had all that acreage and nobody oh ever had God, to w- that witness is that. Awful. Or maybe not so luckily for some of the, the women that he murdered. Okay. And he placed the preserved female genitalia over his own, sometimes inside a pair of women's panties. Uh, that is so gross. Uh, oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry to oh everybody no. having to hear this. Oh no. All right. So in 1957, in a 1957 testimony to the district attorney of Washura County, Gein stated, it was sort of a sex problem. I blame all my trouble on my mother. She should have made me a girl. I almost never went out with girls. I was afraid of them. All I could think of was my mother and how much I really loved her. I used to wonder if some kind of operation could change me into a woman. I was born uh, a little bit too, too soon, maybe? Maybe, but... but. Right. Though there were parts of countless bodies found in his home, Gein was arraigned on only one count of murder, and that was for Bernice Warden. Holy shit, really? Yep. Ed Gein pled not guilty by reason of insanity and was declared unfit to stand trial. He was sent to the Central States Hospital for the Criminally Insane, where he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. He was retried once after doctors believed he could participate in a trial, but was again declared mentally insane. He was confirmed to spend the rest of his life, confined to spend the rest of his life in a mental hospital and died at Mendota Mental Health Institute at the age of 77 on July 26, 1984. Wow. His house and property were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958. Amid rumors, the house was to become a tourist attraction. Um, on March 27th, the house was destroyed by fire. Good. You know that people in that community actually were like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, and like what I was watching earlier, I was watching um, a YouTube video and I was talking about how these people were, people were just coming up to them, like they were getting a lot of media attention, people were coming to this small town and like asking them all kinds of questions, so I'm sure somebody was like, nah, not in our town. Well, not only that, just the actual depravity of of the action itself, it's... It needed to be... Who who wants to be known for that? Exactly. And unfortunately, they still are because of... It's been made famous by the book. The house was destroyed by fire. Arson was suspected, but the house, but the cause was never officially determined. 
When Gein learned of the incident while in detention, he shrugged and said, just as well. Gein's car, which he used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at a public auction for $760 to a carnival sideshow operator, Bunny Gibbons. Gibbons later charged carnival goers 25 cents admission to see it. That is insane. The shit that they can get away with in those times compared to now. Yeah. Um, one of the guys from Ghost Adventures, he bought some house and like, he pretty much like has a bunch of artifacts from different murders there too. Why? This is nowadays. And yeah, it's in Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. And people go to see it. Well, I guess it's, I mean, in all honesty, it's actually probably more popular than people think. I know they have a museum in California that when Talia was, um, really big into true crime before I was um I actually she actually had begged to go over there to that museum and I'm like no I don't want to see replications of of these crime scenes that's just not fun for me yeah I don't think I mm -mm. especially not in Las Vegas I think I'll pass no thanks I'm good Shit, you could pass by a hundred bodies just going down through that desert. <laughs> I'm telling, well, probably. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Middle of nowhere. Well, they found bodies out in the desert out here. Okay, where was I? Weirdly, Ed Gein is not classified as a serial killer. Really? Yeah, due to the fact that... Oh, he only he was- killed... Sorry, I got ahead of you there. <laughs> due to the fact that he he was not convicted of the murder of three or more individuals within the duration of a single month. In contrast, Ed Gein's murders were spread apart in periods of time exceeding a single month. That makes no fucking sense. Hey, I don't make the rules for serial killers. <laughs> Someone should make some sort of rules, but that's not one of them. I don't know. I, I just don't get that. The nature of the victims also, um, he primarily participated in the illegal robbery of corpses and their subsequent mutilation and defacement. However, he was believed to have murdered individuals whom he had perceived to share a resemblance to his deceased mother. I don't know. Yeah, but if like you I notice, said, I don't a, make the rules. There's a lot of, um, if, like, serial killers or, or pe- you know, serial killers, like we did um, that one with that fake taxi driver, they have a certain type, usually. Right. Obviously, that goes right out the window with a lot of them, but they, some, they usually have a, a, a type. There's something that they're looking for. A lot of them have mommy issues, and that's, yeah. Horrible mothers out there. Or just some awful people. I mean, in all honesty, I don't agree with the mom. She probably wasn't a great mom, but she didn't make him do any of that shit. Right. No, she didn't. Okay, so um, in popular history, the story of Ed Gein has had a lasting effect, of course, on American popular culture, especially on horror stories. Um, The first tale came to widespread public attention, and it was the fictionalized version written by Robert Block in his 1959 suspense novel, Psycho. And then Alfred Hitchcock made a film about it in 1960. Um, his story was loosely adapted into a number of films, including The Deranged in 1974, um, In the Light of the Moon, 2000. I don't remember that. I don't either. Oh, okay. It was released in the United States and Australia as Ed Gein in 2001. Oh, okay. Ed Gein, The Butcher of Plainfield in 2007. Hitchcock in 2012, um, the Rob Zombie f- films, House of a Thousand Corpses and se- its sequel, The Devil's Rejects, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buffalo Bill and the Silence of the Lambs, and Dr. Olive- Oliver Threadson from the TV series American Horror Story and Asi- the, Asylum, uh, the Asylum ones. 
Wow. Um, growing up, I remember being fairly young, watching the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is actually a little bit of a... It's actually a pretty... It's, um, it's a movie of Marvel, per se, because if you notice, they didn't do a lot of gore, but they let your mind um, imagine what was going on. Freaked me out so bad that I thought I was going to have a panic attack when I first saw it very young. So... Fast forward, Sergio's like, come on, let's go watch it, babe. Let's go watch it at the movies. And I'm like, but I don't like that movie. And you know what freaks me out. And he's like, no, no, baby, let's go, let's go. I literally sat on his lap with my hand, my fingers in my ear and my hands over my eye almost the whole fucking movie. I just can't. I just can't. So although I've passed by some of those um, movie titles, I, I just can't. Yeah, those. I, I'm not a big Thresher film like that's a thrasher film and i can't yeah. i can't i like scary movies you like like thrillers a, thrillers and stuff that has like um i like ghost stories and stuff like that but i don't like i don't like thrashers at all see i used to be a big fan of them when i was younger really yeah i mean like nightmare on elm street loved it saw all of them you know um Friday the 13th. Loved Although I them. did see Psycho. I like Psycho. Yeah, I did like Psycho too. Yeah. I'm not the best mom. I should have to my kids and they're way too young. The black I, and white I version. actually didn't watch that until I was a little bit older. Really? Yeah. I you think had I was like parents. early 20s. Well, I had very <laughs> religious <laughs> Well, me parents. too, but I obviously wasn't a religious parent, so I showed this to my kids. But right. Yeah, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Speaking of scary story, totally off topic. Do you ever remember that made-for-TV movie, Night of the Scarecrow, with Bubba? That movie freaks me the fuck out like no other. Was it a B-movie? I'm sure it was. It was made for TV. And I remember being at my great-grandmother's house, and for, you know, because we only had like four stations, um, sitting there on the, on the floor being very young watching this movie and every time anybody mentioned Bubba and you were anywhere dark fucking freaks everybody out right it's like saying kukui <laughs> <laughs> except in your imagination a scarecrow's running after you <laughs> oh my god no I used to, I remember when I would stay home there was uh some movies that played in the day and yeah. I remember there was I don't remember the name of it but it was like all these teenage it's always these teenage kids hapless dumb Making sex, wrong decisions. Making wrong decisions. And they were in a fun house. And there was some guy and he was like the carny. Okay. And he was kind of deformed. And that scared the shit out of me. And I think that was probably the first movie that I watched that I was just like, I don't like the shit. Not <laughs> at all. And then I remember we watched, um, me and Albert watched Wrong Turn. And I was okay. like, I don't like this hillbilly shit. And like, I don't like thinking about hillbillies that are fucking carnard. What do you call them? <laughs> Um, cannibals. Tra- cannibals. There you go. I was carnivores. Like, like wait, carnivores. Well, yeah, I guess they're, I guess carnivores, we're all carnivores. But they're cannibals. Uh, no. <laughs> well, the one, and I don't remember if it's a right movie or not, but I remember when um, late at night, um, sometimes these odd movies would come out, and The Hills Have Eyes mm, was mm, the one of them mm-hmm. that would freak me out every time. We watched that. I didn't want to watch it, but we ended up watching it. I think we ended up renting it and staying up late one night and watching I was like, why do you make me watch these stupid movies? <laughs> yeah. So. Not into those at all. I don't blame you one bit. What is your, what are you doing? What are you uh, doing? Okay, like I said, um, you don't, you like ready I for said. This? You ready? You okay? I am. <laughs> I'm scared. I couldn't read it out loud. Do you want me to hold your hand? I'll hold your hand. <laughs> oh, thank you, mama. <laughs> this is why she's my friend. <laughs> 
So I'm not going to give you the name on that, but I am going to go ahead and do the research, um, the websites that I actually went through. I'm trying to be able to do, I'm trying to do this more often because they do the majority of the research. I just pick and choose what I want to use. So um, the research I did was on freelibrary.com, um, sluman, and 5fpaper.com, and axs.com. So not real sexy, but hey, there it is. <laughs> okay. You ready, Alma? I'm ready. I'm going to be scared. Okay. Are you going to scare me? That's the trick. I, don't, I think you're pretty hard <laughs> to scare. Okay. So, one night in 1955, in Liverpool, two young boys, James and Stephen Walker, had gone to bed like they do every night. Both were awakened in the dead of the night by a manic, echoing laughter. So, Stephen Mm. starts rubbing his (laughs) eyes, trying to focus, and when he does, he actually sees a figure in the corner of the room, swaying back and forth, back and forth. You're you're really good at this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um he described it as a uh, 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 this figure having a cone shaped hat a marooned one-piece suit finished with a dingy white ruffled collar and elf nope <laughs> close no not really um they said his sinister face uh, he had a sinister face and he had crack old grease paint on on um painted on half on half off his nose was big and pointy and had red paint red paint on there also they said his uh, the the round black eye sockets of his skull were completely black which a pair of bloodshot eyes glared back oh, at no. the boys Mm-mm. he continued mm. laughing loudly with one hand on his pot belly and the other pointing to the children to come no, 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 no. Children, do not come. Do not go to the man <laughs> in the pointy That's what hat. I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't do it. Okay. So the younger brother started to cry and he hid underneath his blankets while the other brother just stared in absolute fucking horror and shock. They started screaming for their mom and dad to come into the room, but the, the parents didn't hear them, so they didn't come in. No, 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 no. You run to your parents' room. You don't stay in the room. In a desperate panic, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> the boys decided to rush past the clown because, unfortunately... I don't like clowns! <laughs> I don't! Although when they tried to pass him, the clown started screaming and laughing and tried to block them leaving. No, 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 no. Despite that, though, the kids were able to get away and get into and get to their parents' room. So as they're hysterically telling their parents, the father runs up, runs to their room, finds nothing. Of course. But like his sons had mentioned, he noticed a strange, sweet aroma in the bedroom. Clown farts. <laughs> yeah, <It's> close. <laughs> Smells like cotton candy. <laughs> Putrid <laughs> cotton candy. So, months later, the father ends up dying. I, they didn't give exactly why he died, but he died. So, when James and Stephen went to see him at the Undertaker's, um, they actually were reminded of that sweet aroma because of the embalming fluids. Oh. God. And it reminded me, reminded them of the sweet smell that they actually smelled when they actually were confronted by the ghostly clown in their room. In the 
you, you have a satisfied look on your face because you've you've already gotten a reaction. <laughs> I did. I'm totally excited over that. Um, so in the seaside, so just to back up a little bit, in the seaside town of New Brighton, England, the floral p- pavilion was opened in 1913. Several um, painted entertainers filled the stage in the heyday of New Brighton. The Floral Pavilion is the only theater out of seven in its era that are actually op- still operating today. Frederick Zosabi moved from his home from Czechoslovakia to the city of Liverpool in order to continue his career. Um, Zosabi is Czech for big nose, which Frederick possessed. His nose was already unusually large, so he actually would exaggerate it with putty and red paint. Unfortunately, things didn't go as planned for um, Mr. Zozabi here. When he appeared at the Floyal Pavilion, he was plagued with depression, alcoholism, and a bit of a coke problem, um, as he was viewed as an outdated relic from the Edwardian era. On his continued downward slide, he actually planned to hurl a bucket of petrol all over the audience and throw a match. So that way, you know, okay, yeah, that's light funny. them all on fire. Mm-hmm. But the theater found out about his plan and called the police and they arrested him and he was then um, taken into the nearest asylum because motherfucker was crazy. He ended up taking his own life in 1929 in his Liverpool home. Oh my God. So. um, That's what you need is a, a crazy ghost clown spirit to come and haunt you. No shit. No shit. Fuck that noise. Anyhow, Sozabi is said to have a presence at the floral pavilions, whether um, people working at the theater, um, people doing their performances. They say, they say that they see a ghost of Zozabi walking down the halls. Some even say backstage, um, wandering the aisles of the show. Most of them describe him because of his signature nose that he actually had. He had a big, sharp Bright colored. <laughs> he had a schnoz. He had a schnoz. All right. So in December, fast forward, back in the past, long time ago, he's haunting the, the floral pavilion, theater, so on and so forth. Push forward to 2000. In December 2002, two brothers, Thomas and Aaron, were awakened in their bunk beds at three o'clock in the morning by an unnatural laughter. Mm. Um, Thomas looked down from his bunk bed and saw a grotesque, translucent heavy painted face of a clown yeah i think i would probably just start die of a heart attack right then and there um same i'm just telling you i would fucking freak the fuck out um again kids start screaming for their parents like the kids in the in the past had um thomas climbed down to comfort his little brother at on on his bump bed and then they said that 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 sweet little sickly sweet smell filled the room so again, they called for the parents. Parents never came. So similar to the 1950s incident, the clown suddenly stopped laughing. His expression turned dark and serious, and he pointed to the boys, curled his fingers, calling to them. Thomas summed up his courage, took his brother's hand, and then ran towards the door. Good boy. Good, Thomas. Good. I'm just saying. They said they passed within inches of the clown, who shouted something they couldn't understand and tried to grab Aaron's clothes. Aaron felt, felt the fluff of the pink button on the clown's outfit brush his face as they as they were leaving the room. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry right now. <laughs> I am going to have nightmares. <laughs> this is what you do to me every week. No. So, uh, 
like in the you know like in the in the time before parents immediately get up run to the room um they find no trace of any clown at all but they did they did find that sickly sweet smell that filled that room i feel like you like purposely look for a clown story i really didn't but it sounded good (laughs) enough the boys were so affected by the experience, they didn't sleep in that room oh, yeah. for weeks. PTSD like a motherfucker. Weeks. I'm like, weeks? I'm going to sleep in that motherfucking room ever. I, I might have just burned the room down. <laughs> the house. house. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Mom. So about a month later, while Thomas and Erin are visiting their grandmother, um, their um, cousin, a four-year-old um, cousin, went over there to stay at the home. So he stayed in the boy's room. They didn't tell him about this whole clown incident because he's four. Why scare him? So one morning, um, Adam was sitting there at the table drawing, talking to his auntie. And then he starts talking about the funny man named Mr. Zozabi was talking to him. And then as she looked at what he was drawing, Adam drew a clown with a big red nose. Fuck that. Nope. So, as time went on, it was later discussed with the previous owner who lived in the house in the 1950s. My face is hot. <laughs> I don't know if that's the wine. Drink pot wine. <laughs> <laughs> Stick your nose in your mouth. <laughs> we went and talked to the owner um, who owned the house in the 1950s, and the gentleman related almost a carbon copy of the story of the, of the ones that the boys told in 2002. It was later discovered that in the early 1900s at that very house where the laughing clown puts in a supernatural appearance is where Czechoslovakian circus entertainer named Freddy Zozabi lived. So if you remember the beginning of my story, I also said that he killed himself at his home. Right. So they said, contrary to popular belief, ghosts can actually haunt a couple different places because he's again at that theater and at this home. Wherever he is familiar with feels a need uh, so that's the end of my story that was uh short and sweet thank you bet <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh my god this is a fucking clown <laughs> i was surprised you didn't catch what i was like that i was like white cracked uh, yeah dingy makeup half on half off I, big did. red long nose yeah it didn't until cone shaped hat stop it (laughs) wow we're like literally at an hour yeah i this was short but i thought it had enough um stuff in it for you to be entertained are you not entertained alma yes i'm extremely entertained and also i think i probably uh peed myself (laughs) more wine please (laughs) i can't believe we're under an hour we weren't yeah. so long-winded when we switch off. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a whole different note, now that we're kind of done with our stories, is that I forgot to mention it because I know we tend to get long-winded in the beginning of our um, podcast. Um, I actually was sitting there. My husband worked a double this past Friday, so I was waiting for him to get home. And usually I'll put just something on TV, um, just noise, just while I'm doing some stuff. So I ended up scrolling through HBO going through all the movies and I saw one I'm like hey what's this figured it was a true crime story and it definitely was okay so it was called I am evidence and I didn't really think too much I didn't really read the description I just started watching it and to my absolute horror and just I got very emotional because of the backlog of so many of these rape kits um they were going through 
talking about, um, I believe it was Cleveland, um, they were talking about how they had like over 10,000 rape kits that had actually um, never been processed. And one gal said that she had been raped by her boyfriend's friend and they went to the police and the father was in total father mode and asking what are they going to do next, so on and so forth. And the frustrated officer was like, look, honestly, it's not, we have a storage room full of rape kits it won't get tested so what's the point what's the point of them doing the rape kits if they're not going to test them I, I don't know i mean i guess in theory they're supposed to but because of funding and apparently women don't mean shit so more evidence that you know it doesn't matter that women get raped and you know they're always talking about women coming forward and why didn't you report it What's the good What's of reporting it if your shit's going to like sit in a fucking warehouse for years and years and never actually be processed? Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And there, and I mean, just storage rooms, just looking at that, just, it was so heartbreaking that I actually, I was like choking up and I was getting ready to cry. And I'm just like, holy shit. I mean, the, in some of the reports... They actually were, they weren't calling, a lot of these people, they weren't calling, I'm sorry, a lot of these women, they were calling um, that they weren't true, they're truly being raped because they had been drinking, because they had been partying, um, because they weren't acting like they were like somebody who was fighting. And so this um, psychologist actually goes through where a woman actually, her her mind, her body freezes, they call it, uh, I forgot, there's some, some sort of like um, perilous that a woman will go through that they don't fight back. Um, and it's just their, their defense mechanism. Their body's just shutting down. And because when they came up, they went to these um, police to report it, they didn't have those scratch marks, those underneath the nail evidence, or they didn't look disheveled that they were like, oh, they weren't raped. And just some of the shit, they called them hoes. They called them heifers. Who, I just could, who called them? The, the, the police. The police in these reports. Oh, my God. So I jumped online and... They, you could you could look at your own state that and makes so me to find so angry yes girl and I I looked at Arizona and we have over six thousand rape kits that have not been tested not only that but when they did do it and again I, I don't want to say the city again because I'd rather not say it than be wrong and say the wrong city but they were saying um the ones that they tested one out of four were serial rapists. So they continued to rape these women because nobody was testing any of this evidence. They're fuckers. That's my rant for the night. I mean, in all honesty, I just, I, oh, it just seriously pisses me so off. So what is that on, on Netflix? It's or? on, yeah, it's on HBO. HBO. Okay, I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, get, check it out. I mean, in all honesty, so what I immediately did is I went over there and donated to the, um, stop the backlog is what it is. It's online. So yeah. you go look it up. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that, I, I, I'm like, I wish I could volunteer. Is there anything else I can do? I mean, I seriously, like my, my heart hurt because we have young girls. Can you imagine being told that or, no. or being, or them being judged because they were at a club or because they were out with their friends or because they were drinking? Rape is raped. It doesn't matter if you were drinking. It doesn't matter if you have a short skirt dressing provocative. You can fuck everybody under the sun. But the moment you say no, it's rape. Exactly. Anyways, that's my, that's my very angry rant. Okay, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> considering the, the month that we've had and the discussions that we've had, I mean, it's totally appropriate. I, I just, 
that's that's infuriating yeah, so check infuriating. it check it out and anybody who feels like they want to donate you could actually look into your own state and find out what your backlog is so and i it's again it's a hagtash stop the backlog i believe so i mean just type it in you they'll they'll you'll find it okay there was that <laughs> i also had i also had on the heels of that a few other uh announcements to make but okay inappropriate now <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's okay it's okay um we have some of our own announcements to make we're finally on patreon so if you want to um, find us on patreon and you want to help us out basically any donation that you guys uh, make is just gonna uh, help us upgrade our audio equipment to improve our, improve our sound and also help with our hosting fees but we also want to get started on doing t-shirts Yay. and wine glasses with our logo on them and we're hoping to have um, a, our own merch store Definitely. soon. So go ahead and visit the website if um, you are so inclined to help us out. And we also are on Twitter. Yay. Yay, finally. Bring on I, the negative I comments. I have absolutely no idea how to <laughs> Just kidding. exist on Twitter, but Neither we'll figure I, it out. We'll figure it out. So if you guys want to go like our page, um, head out that way and give us a like. And also don't forget... If you're listening on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, um, don't forget to rate and review us. It's super, super important. It helps move us up in the ratings and makes us more visible to other people that might enjoy our podcast. It's your sidebar. That's my little sidebar. <laughs> so I know um, on the IG page I did mention I was going to bring you some whiskey. Mm-hmm. Totally left the house without it. So I am so sorry. It's okay. We will next have time. to bring it at next time. Next time. Maybe I'll do leprechauns or something. <laughs> Just not clowns. No, no. I think that's that's enough for clowns for a while. Thank you for that. <laughs> Whatever you did, you did Annabelle. That's I that know. really freaked me the fuck out. But I did Annabelle, and I hate dolls too. So I hate dolls, and I hate clowns. That's why I sent you that picture. I know. <laughs> that was cute. You're like, I hate you so much. <laughs> I thought you were going to buy it. Honestly, like I was, if she shows up at my fucking house, I'm fucking doll. You're like, fuck that doll. Bye. Hagtash. <laughs> fuck that doll. All right. So, so is that all we have for tonight? On a more serious note, and again, I know we got, um, almost too serious towards the end of this just don't forget a quick reminder make sure you get out there and vote i mean women's rights matter and the only way we're going to be able to change a lot of these circumstances is by actually putting in somebody who cares about women's rights exactly i I couldn't have said it better myself get out and vote it's coming up um by the time you guys hear it, it's going to be a little bit too late for you guys to register to vote but those of you who already are registered get out there make your voice heard it's your turn make your vote well i think that's all we have for tonight anything else ama nope that's it all right well i'm yvette i'm ama and this is tipsy's tales good night good night Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Pesqueda, artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.